It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we are talking about tests and assessments that we can do with the general population. So this is a listener request from Dr. and Major Pat Casey, uh, who we've had on the uh, podcast before. We appreciate the the question, Pat, and we're excited to dive into this. We talked a little bit about kind of what things that I do and what things Brandon does with uh, people, you know, that are more general population, not necessarily uh, higher level athletes. Um, and then, you know, how do we use that data? Well, you know, how does it drive the program? How often are we retesting that kind of thing? So really think you're going to enjoy this episode. If you are an athlete or are in a coach or you're just into fitness, I think you can get a lot out of this. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, give us five-star our rating. You know, we really, really appreciate it. It's how we reach more people, but it's also how we get great questions um, and topics like this one. So, so again, thank you for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Better Faster podcast. Today's episode topic is by request of our good friend, Dr. Slash Major Pat Casey, I almost called him Captain again, Major Casey, who is a full-time active duty PT in the Army and one of our part-time PTs that we are so lucky to have on board. And Pat asks what a good fitness test would be for the general population. So what are recommended tests, retests, and why, you know, how frequently, et cetera. And this is actually inspired because the Army is finally getting away from their traditional PFT test. And that's the one with the Everyone, everybody knows about the two-mile run, the two-minute push-ups, two-minute sit-ups, and they're replacing it with six events. I mean, it's like the you still got the two-mile run. There's also like a deadlift. There's a sled drag. There's like a med ball throw, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, so this should be a fun one to dive into. I think we'll have two pretty different perspectives as far as that goes. But uh, before we dive into this, man, how was your week? How was your week? How was Valentine's Day? Oh, it was good, man. We, um, Kelsey and I tend to try to celebrate it on a different day to not have to battle the, uh, the crowds, the reservations, the everything upcharged, all that kind of stuff. So we actually celebrated, um, last weekend, you know, the weekend before Valentine's day, I went to a nice dinner, uh, nothing crazy. We, uh, we are you know, keeping our budget uh, pretty under control with a wedding coming up this summer. So, uh, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. But it was fun, man. How was yours? It was good, man. I, I, I got a wife that's in her second trimester, so I went with chocolate-covered strawberries instead of roses, and uh, it's because you can't eat flowers, and that was a home run. 
<laughs> that's awesome, man. That's great. Yeah, man. Just to, to reiterate, um, you know, how much we love talking to Pat and, uh, and all the great insight he provides. If you want to know more about him or military PT or anything like that, he has been um, on our, on our podcast. So he was a uh, episode seven. So way back in the day. So we might need to get him uh, back on here sometime soon, but uh, go check that out. If you want to uh, learn more about uh, major Pat Casey, um, he's a pretty cool dude. So uh, I definitely think people should check that out. Pat is a good dude. Thank you for your service too, Pat, if you're listening. Uh, I know you are. Um, but episode seven, I don't think you had mics back then. Yeah, hey, I real quick. Think, I don't think we did. I think it was just yeah. iPhone, those, the wired iPhone headphones with the mic built in, I think is what we were using. Those are the raw cuts, man. Early stuff. Back in the day. <laughs> hey, so before we get into this stuff, man, I enjoyed that solo episode you did, the one you did on supplements last week. But I got to ask, man, what, what's our stance on bang energy drinks? Because I feel like this is like a whole new category. Like we're embarking on this this new supplement category here because it's different than like C4 and No Explode. And these yeah. are like sodas, man. Full disclosure, past couple of months, I've been hitting those things like three days a week pre-workout. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll take more of the, the politically correct answer. You know, I think that it is, uh, it depends on the person. I do know there's 300 milligrams of caffeine in each one. And I do know that you know, for me, caffeine, is definitely a performance enhancer when used appropriately. And actually, you should dose caffeine based on body weight um, is kind of how it's recommended. Uh, so uh, I, would, I would make sure that that's the right amount for you because that's, that's a lot of caffeine. It can make someone feel a little, little jittery, has some creatine in it, not much. Um, I, again, it, I think you would need to probably still supplement with some creatine monohydrate on top of it if you're looking to actually, you know, have, you know, a, you know, reach saturation, reach, you know, appropriate levels there. So um, I would, uh, I would say again, anything that's already pre-made like that, that has fixed values of different ingredients, um, do your research, see if those values and those amounts are appropriate for you. Um, so that's, you know, because it's not going to be for everybody. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of other things in it too, that, that make it much more like a traditional energy drink. So I'm, I tend to say we can probably find a cleaner option, but, uh, there are also, as you mentioned, probably some other options out there that are not as, uh, not as good. So, uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's that proprietary blend, man. Mm. We don't know what's in that stuff, man. I, I, I feel like I get a dopamine hit every time I drink it though. Um, I'm thinking about quitting. And I think it's because it's getting too mainstream. There's some of these things at Walmart now. Yeah, every gas you know, station almost. Yeah. yeah, and I can't blame them, man. Dollar ninety eight a can, by the way, at Walmart. But when I see those things on the shelf next to like Monster Energy, I feel like it's a slippery slope, man. Mm-hmm. Like if someone sees me drinking those things, they're gonna assume I'm walking around wearing chucker hats and listening to Florida Georgia Line. Um, hey, there's nothing wrong with some Florida Georgia Line. Good. <laughs> I mean, come yeah, on. no offense, to Josh. <laughs> I, lo- I love I love my country music, man. I I, I can roll with a little Florida Georgia Line. I hear you, man. But I think uh, I think once I finish these last six cans, I'm going to switch back to black coffee, extra black. There you so go. There's that. Yeah, I want to say one thing before we got rolling too. Our good buddy and the only person I think that's been on our podcast twice, uh, Coach Riley Kilbride, is starting his own podcast. I know he's been posting some things about like you know what's uh, what's coming up. It's called Forging Fury. So. Um, check that out. And Riley's a man. Um, as you know, if you've been listening, um, we love Riley and love having him on. So um, check out Forging Fury. I don't think the first episode has dropped yet. I think he's just been putting teasers out there and things like that to get, you know, drum up the interest. But I think that's going to be a good one, man. Yeah. Yeah. Riley's super charismatic. I know it's going to be really entertaining. So I'll be uh, adding that one to the uh, list very soon. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Let's, let's dive into this a little bit. So I think that based off what Pat was asking, you know, we are essentially talking about assessments, fitness assessments. And I think just 
a, a general statement is, is the thing about an assessment, and this is in the PT and I think in the strength and conditioning world as well, is that, you know, for me, they need to be quick to implement and they need to give you value information, the information that you need to get. And they shouldn't only help the coach or the PT identify what your client or your patient's needs are, but also let your client realize it for themselves. Cause that's, what's going to give you buy-in and it can be a really nice way to eliminate confusion on both ends. Cause I mean, we all know that the, the PT world and probably the fitness industry too is just saturated with just all kinds of crap that is just not very relevant, but sometimes it's a shiny new toy sells well, whatever. So um, that's my thoughts on that before we dive into it. Yeah, man, I think, um, uh, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head there, man. I'm excited to get into this topic too with, um, you know, for me, I tend to dig a lot deeper than I think Pat was, um, Pat was asking when I start working with a client, just because I'm really trying to tease out what areas of fitness and, and what I need to prioritize. But I think we can come up with a nice little list uh, of something more service level that, um, would be quick to implement. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? You want to I know your list because I've been a client of yours for a while. And I've had your test several times, but um, yeah. well, I, I do want to premise it. I do want to premise it that you know I'm going to take the person's individual goals in mind when designing what assessments I'm going to use. But there are some ones that are some themes, um, and I'm going to say my my probably my biggest go to that almost everybody does, even my very you know beginning clients to my more advanced clients. Um, and I'll start with a, you know a 10 minute max calories on the assault bike. Um, and before the assault bike, it was on the old air dine. So, I mean, this test has been around for a while. It's a uh, James Fitzgerald special, and it just gives you, uh, you know, so much information, right? Um, it gives you, it, uh, I think it's easy. It's something that, it, you know, everyone is able to do. There's not a lot of skill necessarily that comes to the movement itself um, versus say putting somebody on a rower that's never rode before. Um, the bike uh, is a, a little bit more conducive to a beginner. Um, it also is one that, you know, if you it let's just say that this test if done right is horrible it just hurts it's great um you know i know i say that like like Mm -hmm. wait what do you mean it hurts and it's awesome but um it gives gives me so much information into where somebody is in terms of one their you know their aerobic underlying aerobic fitness um that's kind of the over underlying base there but also are you know are they able to to push? And as that you know, lactate builds up, and, and uh, you know they, they start feeling that burning feeling, uh, or, you know what? How do they handle it? Um, how well are they continue to put out um, you know put out effort? And, and what kind of output can they sustain? Um, so I I love it. Uh, it's simple and easy. Anyone can do it. Um, I try to again with all testing. I think people should do this. They should try to control as many variables as possible when they're testing, so that way they can have the most accurate um, assessment or retest results. Um, so trying to do it at the same time of day, um, whether they ate beforehand or not. You know, on you know if they did it on a Monday, try to do it on a Monday. If they did it before work, do it before work. If they did it, um, you know, if they didn't drink that weekend before, you know, and then probably don't consume alcohol the weekend before um, you're going to do that test. Try to control as many variables as possible. But for me, that's where I start. Man. I like it. I like it, man. And that, that is a, that is a, that is a tough one too. And, and, you know, with that said, what, what strategies will you use to, I guess, train for that depending on what you see and then how often are you going to reassess that, retest that one? Yeah. So to answer the second part of that first, it really kind of depends on the person's, you know, I guess, experience level where I would categorize them in kind of more of a beginner, intermediate or advanced and also how, you know, deep they were able to dig, you know, how, you know, how well they were able to you know, kind of express their ability. Um, Cause a beginner, I could run that test weekly. 
you know, and it, it's someone that they're not actually able to dig deep enough to where it has any lasting effect that they're unable to recover quickly from. Um, and also they're going to make, you know, progress, you know, much more quickly than, than someone that's more advanced. So it's like, something that I could implement often. You know, um, but somebody that's more advanced, I'm not necessarily going to, to have them, you know, hit this, you know, all that often. It could be, you know, a couple times a year uh, even. So uh, I think the, the time in which you retest it is going to be, you know, variable depending on the person. Um, as far as training for it, I think for me, um, I'm, it's not, I'm not going to do this test in isolation. So I'm going to be doing other tests that are probably going to help me determine what the limiter is, you know? So is the limiter that, you know, and again, most people when I'm first starting with them, do they have a kind of, they've taken the time to really truly develop a good aerobic base. Oftentimes that's not the case, especially if I'm getting, you know, crossfitters coming in, they've never done anything over, you know, a 20 minute AMRAP, um, which is not an endurance activity in my mind. It's, it can be very aerobic, but it's not uh, the same as somebody coming from a, a different background like say an endurance runner so um, for me I got to determine what the limiter is and then build that first so most of the time I'm starting from uh, more of the aerobic end of the spectrum so I'm trying to build that that aerobic base at very low intensities building up some volume there and then I'm going to progress them kind of uh, I guess over down the continuum if you're thinking about it from like a, a continuum where um, I'll be decreasing the duration of kind of what they're doing as I'm doing say you know well to give an example maybe I have them start out with 30 minutes of, of easy movement. We'll keep it cyclical. So maybe I'm doing, you know, 30 minutes on the bike and then I'm moving down and I'm, you know, I'm doing, you know, uh, you know, I build up to 30 minutes and then I start, you know, progressing them from 30 to, you know, down the spectrum. Maybe I go to two uh, 20 minute pieces. Now I'm doing 40 minutes total of work, but I'm doing two 20 minute pieces with a, a, a break in between. Um, and in theory, that 20 minute effort should be at a higher intensity than the 30 minute effort. And then I'm progressing down. Maybe I get down to, to two or three sets of 15. And then I'm down to maybe three to five 10 minute um, um, intervals. And now the, the pace is still aerobic, but it should be a much higher aerobic effort than the, um, uh, than the 30 minute piece that that we began with. Mm -hmm. And I keep progressing down to maybe, you know, multiple of, of, you know, eight of seven, multiple repeats of six, uh, six minute efforts. Um, and now the pace that I'm holding is actually, uh, you know, much higher than the pace that I was holding at that 30 minute um, interval. Uh, but it's still an aerobic effort. It's still something where we're resting a couple minutes and repeating that effort over and over and over again. Um, so I'll, I might progress their aerobic development that way if I'm training, say, for that 10 minute piece. Um, and then also, you know, I could determine maybe somebody is, is, is very, very enduring, but they just, you know, they struggle to create any power. Maybe it's, they, they need to one get stronger. Oh, it could be that their 10 minute bike test actually improves because they actually just become you know stronger overall. Um, or it could be that I need to develop power and that would be a whole different thing where I'm, I'm working mm -hmm. more on the opposite end of the spectrum and I'm building up longer durations of intervals um, to where like they're not quite holding the same pace that they were holding maybe at the interval prior on that progression, but the duration is actually increasing um, to building up to, you know, really hard minute long, two minute long intervals um, and, and, and going that route. So uh, it, it kind of depends on what the, the person's limiter is. And that was kind of a long answer there sure. um, but that's one that's one that's why one test is not great in isolation um, it's kind of doing that test and then I like to do other tests around it to try to figure out okay well why was that test limited so let's so let's dive into it and so the 10 minute bike test you know we know that's going to give you a lot of valuable information but like you mentioned it is not going to tell you a lot about their aerobic capacity so 
do you have another test that you like to use to look for that? Yeah, I like to I like to make people work for a long period of time. Um, and for <laughs> a lot of my people, I, it's it's hour long. I'll have them do an hour long row um, if they're a professional rower. I'll have them do an hour long bike. I'll have somebody maybe do if they're a runner a 10k uh, you know a 10k tri- t- uh, time trial. Um, I you know if they have a ton of experience with mixed modal work, I might have them do a 60 or 90 minute AMRAP where they are just moving 90 minutes long, or 90 minutes of time. And I have you know a, a where I think their output should be or that 60 minute row. I'm looking at their their raw score, the actual number but then also a body weight adjusted score and i'm looking at that okay where do i think they need to be um and and determine okay where you know are they you know uh, you know how how is their development in this area um and i I do at least 30 minutes most most of the time for that because you know when you give somebody like 20 minutes oftentimes it really just becomes how long they can suffer it's not really like aerobic development because most of the time they don't understand pacing if they've never done it before They'll, they'll go out pretty hard probably too hard and then it's just are they willing to suffer and try to hang on and then the output by the end is slowed down a lot and that's not what we're trying to test there so i like to put them you know 30 40 50 60 minutes or longer and and you know, then they begin to, from a mindset perspective, realize I need to pace this. I have to pay attention to how fast I'm going. Um, and and uh, I ask them at different time points, you know, how are you feeling at 20 minutes? How are you feeling at 30 minutes? How are you feeling at 40? Um, and I take screenshots of say like a 60, uh, you know, like a 60 minute row. You can go in the history and I'll get them to take a picture of that and post it to the results um, so I can see their splits um, to see, okay, well, were they able to hold this pace? And so I'll do, I'll make people work for a long period of time there. And some people, you know, I'll get from like even competitive crossfitters who've never done that type of thing. And they'll see a 60 minute row in their first week of programming. And, and it's just, you know, you know, so foreign to them. So, um, it, you know, that's, that's where I go with it, man. I think you got to test the long end too. Right. And, and we've talked about a lot on this podcast and several episodes, but everybody needs an aerobic base, no matter what your goals are, what your sport is, that kind of thing too. So, you know, this has got me thinking, uh, with this said, it seems that with the army PFT, the two mile run is probably the longest event they have out of the six so do you think that that's actually a fault of the test you think it would be better if they had something that had maybe at least a a 30 minute requirement to it well, I think there, you got to look at the demands that the uh, people are going to be enduring. So again, I'm, I don't have that kind of background to be able to evaluate the, the demands that each one of these uh, soldiers is going to have to go through. So um, I think that it is a decent represent, representation. Like I think the 10 minute bike test is greatly influenced by um, your aerobic base, the two mile run also as well. Um, it, it is something that I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to expand a little bit longer as well. Um, but I think you can get a decent representation of where somebody sits from their aerobic development um, with that test. So um, I, I, I think it definitely could be something to look into, um, even if it wasn't like, even if it was something much longer, like some type of uh, standardized ruck situation that was a little bit longer too, that kind of tested a longer end, like distance covered in over, you know, however long, or I give a certain distance and you have you time, how long it takes with a certain weight or something, something that's actually representative of the demands that, that they're going to need to be able to do. Um, so I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to go and, and go a little bit longer, but, um, I think two mile run test is a good test too. For me, it's just the bike takes out, um, a little bit of the skill of it running, you know, to me running is a skill, you know, and that, and some people will be limited by their actual ability to run, not by their energy system necessarily, energy system development. So a bike takes that out. Um, I should preface this too. I'm not going to make somebody who's never moved for an hour or doesn't have the, what I think the, 
the actual ca- capability. Like somebody's coming off the couch, I'm not just throwing them into a 60 minute air wrap. I want you know people to kind of understand like it has to be the appropriate for the person. A 10 minute test truly can probably be for every single person that walks into your gym. That 10 minute bike test. Um, but you know, for some of my crossfitters have been around for a while. When they come to me, then then I'll make them go for an hour. Maybe they haven't done a lot of that, but I know that they're actually capable of doing it. It's just a matter of testing it. So uh, I think you got to evaluate is this test appropriate for that person. Nice. All right, man. So, so far we got the 10 minute bike test, the one hour rope, 60 minute yeah. rope. Mm-hmm. What about strength? How are you assessing that general population? Yeah, I think that just that gets to the idea of should we test one rep maxes? Do we need to? Um, is it important? Can you test different rep maxes or submaximal things and 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 you get the information you need? Um, again, I work with a lot of athletes, so for me, I do test a lot of one rep maxes because the sport in which I'm helping them train for does involve one rep maxes. I've had I've had athletes do competitions where they've literally had to max in pretty much any lift you can think of, from like a basic barbell lift, a max snatch, max clean and jerk, a max back squat, max front squat, press, deadlift, uh, you know, bench press, you know, they had to do these things in competition. So it's something we have to be prepared for. Um, I do know that, you know, I will occasionally, you know, if I don't think the person's ready for that, you know, I'm not going to necessarily have them build to a a rep max. For me, it might be more of a a three or a heavy five uh, or something like that. Like a lot of times I'll use like a technical five. So build to like a, a tough, but perfect set of five and see where that is. Um, and you know, to, you know, to, you know, limit, them a little bit there. I think it really just, again, depends on the person and depends on their goals and what they need to do. Um, I do like one rep max testing when I do some, some like comparison work, when I'm looking at where they sit relative to their body weight. And then also from front squat to back squat to deadlift to, to different things like that, to try to get balance for this sport. Um, but I really think it depends on the person on whether you need to, to test kind of one rep max, uh, you know, list, especially with the general population. Any particular lift, any particular modality you prefer over the others, like the deadlift versus yeah. the squat? Um, I like to hit both, man. I think I like to find something in every pattern. Honestly, I mm-hmm. like hitting a, a hinge. I like hitting a squat. I like hitting a push. I like hitting a pull. Um, I, you know, you know, we'll t- I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about Dan John and we'll talk about carries. Like there's mm-hmm. you know, uh, pretty much every pattern you can think of. I like to find some way to, to test that pattern. Um, and the type of loading and intensity involved with that test is just going to be based on what I think that person can handle or what's appropriate mm-hmm. for them. Um, so I like testing, you know, a, a back squat and a deadlift, you know, and a, uh, a press. If that person has experience with any of those lifts, um, I like doing those things. Um, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it, picking something off the ground is one of the most functional things we can do. I love, I love seeing what somebody can do from a deadlift perspective. If again, you've already done your movement assessment, you've looked, they have the requisite range of motion necessary. They have experience with the movement and are uh, capable of loading it effectively. Then I might see where they are. So there's some prerequisites to it, but I think uh, you can't go wrong testing a deadlift, testing a back squat, testing a press, if it's appropriate for the person. I like it. And there is a, there is a deadlift in that, uh, that new proposed army PFT test too. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. If it's like a one rep maximum like that, or if it's based off of a percentage of body weight, I should have looked that up ahead of time, but it is on there and it makes a lot of sense, especially for that population too. Yeah. All right. So what about trunk strength? Cause I know we're Donnie Thompson guys. We don't call it core anymore. So what about trunk? <laughs> How do you test that? Um, so I kind of do a bridging series, I guess you would call it a plank or a bridge series and kind of hit every, uh, plane there. Um, so I'll do a, a, fr- a forearm plank, like a front plank. Um, I like to see a couple minutes there and I'll also do, um, a kind of a, a Sorensen hold kind of, that's my, my front and back right there. Ooh. So I'm trying to hold a plank for two minutes. I'm trying to hold a Sorensen hold 
in two minutes. Um, and that you'll be amazed at how many athletes I have that can pull 400 plus, no problem. And they can't hold in two minutes for some hold with, with the right position. Um, so I like those two and I like uh, 90 seconds, um, uh, on each side and a side plank on their forearm too. I think that that's a, uh, you know, testing in that in the frontal plane is something that we don't necessarily do a lot in CrossFit. Um, we don't, you know, a lot of times there's not anything that's outside the sagittal plane, but, um, I think that it's important to test that as well. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of times you'll see one side too, that is, uh, significantly different than the other. Um, when I run people through that. Um, so I like to try to identify that in my testing too. So I kind of test front, back, side, and side, um, and have kind of some metrics I want to see prior to me really expecting them to, you know, load, uh, some of those bigger compound movements. Yeah. And if you're, if you're listening to this episode and you're not familiar with what the Sorensen hold is, it's essentially, um, we, the easiest way to do it is to get in a GHD where you're going to have your legs locked in and you're going to come up into a neutral position with your arms crossed over your chest, chin is tucked in, and you're going to hold that as long as you can without dropping whatsoever. I think we normally give people one drop, let them correct it. And if they do it again, then we cut the test. Yep. We're looking for what, two minutes on that? I like to see two minutes, man. I've seen, I've seen in the literature, 60 seconds. I've seen 90 seconds. Um, I am on the side of longer, you know, before I, I want you to do, especially from a CrossFit perspective, before I want you to do 45 deadlifts at a, you know, slightly submaximal load, like you might see in a, you know, in a CrossFit workout. Um, I, I want to make sure you can hold a sword. I think that's just an important prerequisite. So uh, for me, two minutes is kind of standard on the front and back 90 seconds on the sides. I think you've got those three things down with a good position. You're in pretty good shape there. Yeah. And if you go to the uh, Vertex YouTube page, we have a, a video about that test that we did. It kind of goes over the instructions, but if you haven't done that one before, try it on yourself. It, it is terrible. Two minutes of that, but it gives you a lot of good information too. So uh, definitely one you want to check out for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. What else you got? Yeah, those, so those are kind of my, my big ones there. I'll test, uh, you know, some type of strength testing, um, something appropriate for them. So a, whether it be, you know, those bigger compound movements and one rep maxes for somebody's more experienced or whether it's, um, you know, a, a kind of a multi rep max situation or something for somebody that's a little bit newer. I do all, of course, all of my, um, you know, quote unquote core, uh, you know, core testing a little bit, uh, you know, just to see where people are with that as well. Um, I'll, I'll do energy system testing uh, kind of across the continuum. Um, the 10 minute test is one I like to do with everybody. I also really like a four, um, four times 30 second row, 30 second off row. Um, and I'll explain that one, um, in a second. And then I might test depending on the person and their experience and what they want to do again, that longer, that, you know, 30 plus minute, maybe a 30 minute row to a 60 minute row or something longer. And I might actually test something for a little bit more of like, of seeing where they are from a power perspective, whether I test something a lactics or like 20 second bike, or it could be a 20 second row. The person's got to be a really a proficient rower. Um, cause it's hard to cycle that one. I, I kind of do more of the bike or a run variation when it's that short and say lactic. Um, I might test something that's more like a lactic power test or something, maybe 30 seconds or 60 seconds on the bike. Um, maybe extend that out to like a two minute and I might test something as little more of what I would consider a lactic endurance test to use kind of the, the, that OPEX language, um, you know, something that's, you know, how long, how well can they sustain output as there's that accumulation of lactate. And so that would be maybe um, anything from, you know, three or four minutes up to like six, seven minutes somewhere in there. So I might hit anything from a 1k up to, you know, a 2k, um, or maybe I'll have them do a six minute bike or a one mile run. I might test something in there. Um, so I kind of will hit all the way across that energy system continuum. Um, and, and kind of that would formulate the battery of my testing. Um, and then 
you know, to go back to that one test I mentioned, it's a four, it's four sets, 30 second row, 30 second off while staying strapped in. Um, and I think that test is a great test, again, that anyone that has some rowing proficiency can do because it gives you really data in three, it's like three different types of, of data there. The first one is that first score on the very first test, it's basically 30 seconds, as hard as you can. Each one of these are maximal effort, so you probably will see some, some decline each set. You're looking to see what that first number is, and that's kind of evident of more that lactic power um, you know, energy system that I talked about, like how well they're able to create power and output when they're without O2 and with the presence of lactate like the, and that, and that buildup. You know, that's essentially what we're testing there. The, that's the first one. The second one and second two really are really more of that lactic endurance type, uh, you know, more of an energy system where I'm trying to see how well they can sustain that high output now that they're, they're well into that system. So like that second and third one, I'm probably going to see a decrement off the first one, but I'm trying to see almost like how much of a decrement I see there. Um, and then that last one there, by that last one there, it's really almost a, a test of more of their aerobic development because by the time at the end there, they're going to, their performance on their last one is going to be directly related to their body's ability to clear that, that lactate. And we know that clearance of those anaerobic metabolism byproducts is largely uh, is largely due to the aerobic system. So if they are well developed aerobically, they'll be able to clear a lot more of those byproducts and be able to still perform well on that last one. Because otherwise, we're probably going to start seeing a significant decline there. So it kind of gives you four numbers, and you can get a lot of great data from that. I'll see people who have one huge one and then a huge drop off of the other three. I'll have people that have you know all of them almost the exact same. I'll have people that will have one high, then one in the middle, then one the third one actually. Would be like in between the first and the second one and then their fourth one stays there too you you can get so many different situations and it gives you a ton of insight into what's under the hood for that person and it tells you do i need to help them become more powerful do i need to help them become more enduring do i need to expose them if it's appropriate for their sport they need it to more lactic type work um, and so it, it's definitely an interesting test. It can give you a lot of data. It can tell you if someone's more explosive or if they're more enduring. Um, so I like that one too, because pretty much anyone that has experience on the rower can do it, even if they're a beginner, um, a little bit more of a beginner. They just might not be able to really express power on those first uh, intervals, but it can give you some good insight. So um, I like to throw that one into my test battery as well. Dude, the, I love it, man. It's, it's, it's super advanced. I mean, this is the stuff that we should have gotten in PT school, but you know, you know how it goes, man. They got to yeah. teach you to be able to pass that licensure exam, right? Because they got to learn about ultrasound. Funny you, uh, funny you say that. I think there's might be something in the works for more education for PTs in this area. So uh, we might uh, we might have some info on that here shortly. Yeah, be on the lookout for some announcements for that. Yeah, awesome, hopefully, man. Hopefully, yeah. Um, but super in depth, super thorough. Is there is there any kind of resource, any any kind of resources, handout, anything anything you can give anything you recommend to our listeners that well, want to explain all this or use this what you just talked about yeah well i got to give a shout out to james and gerald and the opex guys you know that's obviously a huge background um of mine um and you know a lot of what i use is is stuff from them or stuff i've adapted from information i've gotten from them um so i have to you know give credit where credit's due um so uh, i think that they're a great resource they put out a ton of free content too um i, I always encourage people to reach out to me. I'm getting more and more people starting to reach out about this stuff and I love it. You know, reach out to me. I'll do my best to, to provide you as much information as I can. Um, and don't, you know, I've had some people that, that want to come just hang out for a, a day or a little while or a weekend and, you know, don't hesitate to do that as well. Um, but for me, it, it, a lot of this is, um, 
trial and error. You know, think about it conceptually from a, from a, you know, kind of the entire energy system continuum. I think most people have kind of an idea of the differences between anaerobic metabolism and aerobic metabolism. If you don't really truly understand that, go back and listen to more of our energy system development. I think we did an episode on that. I explained that a little bit more. Um, you can get some good idea of, you know, what is going on and then formulate your own tests. My, my things would be keep it monostructural for the most part to control variables, at least initially until someone has great experience with mixed work and they need it for their, um, you know, maybe their sport. Then you can incorporate some mixed modal testing because we haven't even talked about what that looks like. Um, but I think, you know, the OPEC stuff or reach out to me. Um, those are, those would be two great options. Um, and if you're looking to implement this stuff, the first step is just get, you know, get on a bike, go for 10 minutes and try to, you know, get the most amount of work possible in that 10 minutes. And then maybe do the 30, 30, you know, 30, 30 row, row test four times. And if you're really feeling froggy, froggy, do a long one, you know, and just start there. And that, that would be a great place to start. And then from a strength testing, if it's appropriate for you, build to some heavy lifts, you know, go through and, and see where your, your squat pattern is, see where your hinge pattern is, see where your press is, where your pull is. And then, you know, try to evaluate uh, based on some data out there on what you need to prioritize in your own training. Um, so that's where, where I would start, man. Sounds good. Yeah. And now well, I want to hear about you. I know you've got some, I know we've, I talked a while. I seem like I hijacked this episode, but um, yeah, you've got some, some great things that you look at too. And we mentioned some Dan John stuff too, that I know you like to incorporate. Yeah, man. So when I have a patient come in from day one, really, I always want an exit strategy for my patients for mm-hmm. you know how they're going to maintain and how they're going to continue to build off of what we've done in the clinic. But in my opinion, when PT is done right, during the whole process, it should look like training. So you're going to need to go a little bit beyond traditional goniometry and manual muscle testing. So, you know, it doesn't have to be as in depth as what Josh said. It it should be, but it doesn't have to be as long as you're taking the time to do something to peel back layers a little bit. So the first place I generally start as people are starting to get better, they're starting to kind of transition from being that patient to that client where they're about to be discharging is just the classic FMS that stands for the functional movement screen. And it's when you break it down, it's just a baseline industry standard for basic movement, nothing more, nothing less. And it's got some faults, but I just, I still to this day don't know of a screen that can give you that much information about that many joints in such a small amount of time. And it doesn't actually prevent injury. That's been debunked, but you know, I still think it can give you a lot of information about whether or not joints can get into position to absorb and adapt the stress. Plus, that's going to tell me about whether or not some of these other tests that I'm going to implement are actually going to be appropriate to do in the first place. So that's where I like to start. And it takes less than eight minutes to do it if you practice it for a while and you do it right. Now, you already alluded to it a little bit, but the rest of this is, is pretty much straight from Dan John, who I'm a, I'm a big fan of. And this came out of his book, can you go? And you know, if, you, if you're familiar with Dan John, you know his whole thing is that he does things based off the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. And just the way that he talks about these tests and these assessments, it just makes a lot of sense to me. And again, it's quick. It's been a good way to get buy-in from my patients because they get it as we're going through and it's easy for me to explain it to them. So, you know, one of the first tests I'll run people through are the, the sitting rising test. And that's a fun one. And that's the one you've probably seen before where you start in a standing position and you simply cross one leg behind the other. You sit on the floor and then you stand up and everyone starts with a score of 10. And then you start deductive points. If the person has to use a hand to you know, push themselves up or the side of their leg, lose their balance, whatever. And what it is, is it's a test of all cause mortality. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. It takes a certain amount of strength, mobility and balance 
just to pass that test, just to be able to get up and down from the floor. And we got like over a quarter million fall related deaths in the U.S. each year. And the thing is, nobody cares about it outside of the healthcare world, not argue outside the PT world, because we just don't value our elderly as a society like we should. And, you know, if a person like actually goes 10 to 20 years, this happens all the time without getting up and down from the floor, it's really hard to get that back. So it's something to consider training, something that you need to assess. And that's a quick way to do it. Um, From there, I I really like the the standing long jump for height. So in other words, you're going to jump as far as you are tall. And it's, again, a really quick test, but it's going to give you some information about power and hip strength. And it's something that could potentially carry over to the bigger lifts, to the Olympic lifts, kettlebell work, really everything. Um, and then from there, I also like to look at just a, a simple 10-second single leg stance, which I'm sure everybody looks at, especially if you use SFMA on day one. Um, but everyone should be able to pass this test. And if they can't, you're probably going to have to look further. You know, is this possibly a vestibular issue? Maybe you need to refer out if you're a coach or dig deeper if you're a PT. And is it simply they can't pass it because it hurts? You know, has their issue become orthopedic? Maybe it's because they offload that hip all day long on the other side. And the first time you have them balance, they can't do it. And, and that's a problem. So it's up to you to decide if you want to train it, train around it, or refer it out. The 30-second hang from bar. So just hanging from a pull-up bar for 30 seconds. So grip strength. Everyone should be able to do this. Again, grip strength along with gait speed, muscle mass are huge indicators of longevity. And if you can't do it... it Fact is, you're probably either too fat or you need to train grip strength more. Um, so it's, that's a quick way to pass that test if you're obese. You know, typically, you know, if the weight goes down, the, the duration increases, and that's how pull-ups go up too. I also like to see if a person can hang out in the bottom of a, of a deep squat, bottom of a third world squat for 30 seconds. So it's just a very general overview, a very general appraisal um, at a person's mobility and their ability to maintain tension in this position or to see if it actually starts hurting after a while. Cause sometimes this is going to reveal like a nagging knee issue or hip issue that you might've not caught during your FMS or your SFMA if you chose to do that. And it's just really nice insight into just overall lower body health gives you a big picture. And again, if something's not right, you can dive into it further. Um, the farm, yeah, the farmer's walk. So the farmer's walk standardize it somehow. So, Body weight for distance is a really good place to start. So load it up on a trap bar. So if you don't have a trap bar in your clinic, tell your boss to listen to this podcast. You know, this is going to be a test of grip strength. It's going to look at work capacity. It's going to look at a person's tenacity, everything. Plus, again, if you're obese, you're going to have a bad time. You probably won't be able to get that weight up off the floor, off the ground. And again, this one gives you a ton of information. It's really easy to set up and keep track of data-wise. You know, try it out this week with some of your people. And if body weight's not appropriate, you know, if it's impossible for you or for your client, just start with 50%. Just standardize it somewhere, and then you can retest it later on. Um, I actually, my next on the list for trunk strength was the the two-minute Sorensen hold. What I'm going to do is just scale it. So if they can't do the Sorensen hold, the two-minute plank, I think, is a really nice substitute. So the thing about planks is that they teach us how to create tension, right? And that's something that's going to carry over to other lifts and other movements. So if you decide to maybe do a push-up plank position uh, versus doing it on uh, forearms, those and toes, that kind of thing, um, you know, it, it might give you more information about someone's shoulder health. And again, I keep just going back to this. If you're overweight or you're obese, this one's probably going to be miserable for you the first time you do it. Yeah, man. No, I think that's awesome. I love Dan John stuff as well. I'm a huge fan. Um, and I've taken a lot of things from that as well. Um, especially the, you know, using carries. Um, but I think he's got some, some, 
awesome information that's so easily digestible. So, you know, get some of his books. He has multiple ones. Um, you know, you mentioned Candy Go. I have uh, Never Let Go, I believe, is the other one, is one of the other <laughs> ones I have. Um, he, he's got, you know, multiple out there. They're great. Um, but, um, you know, as I was listening to that too, I went, you know, I was listening to you, I pulled up something too. We were talking about the army fitness test. I wanted to answer that for our, our, um, you, our listeners. And I think it's a three rep max and it might be like a progressive three rep max hitting like standard barbells. That part I didn't, I couldn't figure out, but, um, the interesting, one other interesting thing, we talked about that and it being, you know, that's our original te- uh, question, how it being a more appropriate test of fitness, that test, it reminds me so much that new, the new protocol reminds me so much of what James Fitzgerald started in like 2010 called the Altathlon for back when it was called OPT. Um, and this, he started, it was his version of what fitness was and six events. And it's, so it's pretty standardized. And I mean, I went to Chicago to do it once, um, you know, in like 2013 or something, because they were, they were pretty big deals. I don't know. I don't think they're still doing them anymore. But event one, max uh, ground overhead, right? So you're testing a strength, you know, it takes a little bit of the skill out there because you can power clean it and push press it if you needed to whatever max ground overhead. The second one, a standing triple jump to where you're you both feet are planted, you jump out from two foot landing onto one foot, then the other foot and then another two foot landing. So it's any triple one, but looking at kind of lower extremity power there and some plyometric work, then row repeats to test, um, you know, one kind of a little bit more lactic, you know, power and, and a little bit lactic endurance There's a 500 meter row, 90 second rest while still strapped in into another 500 meter row for cumulative time. So you got to kind of, you know, game that one a little bit. Event four is kind of something that was a mixed modal test that they changed every time. Um, I remember doing one that was like toes to bar deadlifts and burpees, um, but it was like short, like eight minute, kind of more of a classic CrossFit, a little bit more lactic endurance or higher aerobic power work, but mixed modal. The fifth event is an overhead reverse shot toss. So again, more of like a, what we consider like a, uh, you know, speed strength type of, uh, of uh, event. If you put it on the continuum where you're taking, you know, 16 pound shot and you're throwing it back over your head, reverse shot, reverse style. And the last event was a 3000 meter run. And you do all of those over the course of a day. Um, so again, hitting all those different things we talked about, aerobic development, some power work, some, you know, more absolute strength or kind of, this is a little bit more strength speed. And then something that's a little bit more of like a a speed strength type thing with like a plyometric or reverse shot toss. And then, you know, um, kind of what James would call the shitty shit shit, which is the, uh, that eight, you know, kind of the eight minute classic CrossFit mixed modal piece. And so it was a really good, I thought it was a really good test of fitness back in like 2010, you know, when he came out with it and it seems like more and more people are realizing, you know, that kind of, that kind of makes sense. So structuring your own uh, assessments, you know, hitting those different things can be very beneficial and you can kind of figure out what, what you need to work on. That does sound a lot like that mm-hmm. new army army pft test yeah. uh, he had he had to be a consultant or something like that i don't know man but that was i think the first hop tathlon was 2010 i went to chicago in may of 2013 i just pulled up my results and looking back on it man i only cleaned your 265 so don't judge me too much um <laughs> back then uh it's, thankfully six years later hopefully a little bit higher um and then uh i ran that 3k and 1155 looks like i need to to work on that a little bit too um but um Cro- anyway um <laughs> crossfit crossfit and running man that's classic yeah. those, Little mix. Yeah, man, I probably hadn't been running much at that point either. But um, no, so I think, you know, I, you know, hopefully they can, you know, the listeners can take some of the information maybe from those tests, maybe, you know, get an army, you know, PFT tests themselves, the stuff you, you mentioned from Dan John, some of the stuff I mentioned, you know, from like an energy system standpoint, and kind of just figure out what, you know, you know, a nice little battery for you to do, and then control the variables as much as you can and then retest in the same manner and look to see how you improve and judge your training program based on your results there and then figure out what do you need to change. That's all it is. Um, and, and 
if you do those things where you're controlling those variables, you can, you know, you know like when you're doing it and, and, you know, maybe the circumstance in which you're repeating the test, hopefully you can see some change and, and you know, either validate your training protocols or, or determine that you might need to look into others. I like it, man. I think that's a good, I think it's a good place to end the episode there. So yes, we'll go ahead and sign us off, man. All right. Well, I uh, want to real quickly thank all our loyal listeners for all those DMs, our shout outs, Instagram stories, episode requests. Thanks again, Pat. Really appreciate all these. We love you guys. If you haven't already, head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. That way you can leave a five-star review and keep bumping us up that list. And be sure to give Josh a follow on the gram at CPT underscore strength and me at Vertex PT for all the latest updates and some upcoming announcements, job postings maybe. I uh, <laughs> hope you all have a great week and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.